0: Actually, that wasn't the audio you ran yesterday. You had me stuttering a lot more, to which Greg Bergman pointed out and was surprised that that was the case. Considering what you ran today, Morales, we're calling you a fraud, or at least I am. So
1: The say hello to my little friend style, I mean, that is real Miami, South Beach, Scarface, Al Pacino. Say hello to my little friend.
0: Well, it's also Chris Morales, and LZ can attest to this, um, is that he wants to be Scarface. In every which way possible, is the way I would describe
1: it. I love Scarface. God, that was a great movie. God, I love that movie. I mean, Do you think it still holds up? Do you think it still holds up? When you say that, what do you mean by does it still hold up? Like,
0: when you watch it, do you still think it's a great movie? Like, when was the last time you saw the movie?
1: Um, I'd say probably within the last year, it was one of those things where you're flipping around and you're like, oh, Scarface is on, and you just pick it up wherever you are. And um, you know what I think? I really think my opinion, that it's like Al Pacino's greatest performance because he holds on to the entire film. Like the whole film, you're like, wow, Pacino with this dialect, this accent, he's just so good. So, yes, I think it still holds up. How about you? Uh, it, mm, oh, some, some of it. Oh, no, some of it. I also
0: big, don't. Uh, listen, the movie is is like a huge exaggeration of what Cuban people are. Like Tony Montana's accent is pretty terrible. actually.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. 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 No good. I think huh? it's,
0: it's pretty bad. And there are no actual Cubans in a movie about Cuban people. So there's that. Um, so, you know, whatever. But you, but you know, what's
1: funny about that is that just real quick is that when that movie was shot and when all of this was happening in the eighties, I was a kid in South Florida. That's where I grew up, you know, And but I would grew up just in the County North Broward County versus Dade County. And George, I know you know this area well, but, this was, um, you know, things were happening where the, the communities were changing. And my people, my grandparents and aunts and uncles, they'd all moved from New York to Miami Beach. What is now South Beach back then was Miami Beach, you know, and it was all the Alta Conkers that lived in the neighborhood. And the whole thing, you know, changed in the movie kind of made it seem like that's why, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I, I just think the movie is good. I don't think it's as great as it once was like Bergman. Have you ever seen the
2: movie?
1: I sense that Bergman has seen the movie, but I don't think he'll know the movie. You All know right. what I'm saying Is about anyone that? here like, other here. than you and me? Laura's Just you here. and me. Just Laura, me. Are we on have you air seen the movie? The
2: I have. No, Greg's on the phone right now.
1: Why is he on the phone? Let me guess. Don't tell me. Let me guess. <laughs> My guess is because LZ is having some sort of issue with his comrex and Greg is trying to engineer. Is that true? Boom. Nailed it. Okay,
0: great. Yeah. Now, Laura, have you seen the movie? Do you think it's a good movie? It's Okay. Yeah, it it doesn't resonate the same way, Kaplan, with people uh, who are younger. And I would definitely say, even as someone who likes the movie, it doesn't hit the same way as it did even like five or ten years ago.
1: Yeah. All right, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Goodfellas. Does Goodfellas still hit the same?
0: Yeah, because you're... Again... I would say that Goodfellas was also done in a different era. Like Scarface was done in the 70s and early 80s where just everything looks different, right? Whereas Goodfellas still looks different, but I I feel like just even the picture quality of it looks more uh, recent than Scarface does. Yeah,
1: I can buy that. I love Goodfellas, by the way. Goodfellas, it's interesting. There's the one scene in Goodfellas that even if you have a kid, like I have a 20-year-old son, this is way before his time, but I'm, I'm like, you know, you got to watch Goodfellas. And the funny how, you know, like I said to him the other day, I'm like, you know, you're funny. You're a funny guy. And right away he snapped back. Funny how? How am I funny? No, you said I'm funny. Funny how? You know, he's a big boy, Tommy he knows what he said. See, that scene is just legendary, George. Yeah, no, those
0: movies are, are all look, they're all good in some way, shape, or form. I just think that there are levels to how good they are as time goes by, right? Like I, mean, I think I'll that that, that just kind of changes things. Like to me, of all those mobster movies, like The Godfather is the mm-hmm. is the is the peak of all of them. Goodfellas is great, Scarface is great. I, I think there are a lot of these movies that are great. Uh, even American Gangster, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago with Denzel, is great. Also based on a true story. Like, there's a lot of these movies that are great. I don't know if that. I just don't know if they, as time goes by, if they hold up the same way.
1: You know. All right. So let me ask you this on a on a Wednesday afternoon. Today's Wednesday. No, today's yeah, Tuesday. And you're right?
0: listening to Caspian, Los Angeles. What do you got for me? Because okay. I wanted to move so, on, but go ahead. So tell yeah, me. let's
1: just. So I wanted to ask you exactly that. Yeah. So Morales got us started. He got us started by mentioning Rocky. Then it turned into Scarface, and who knew where that was going to go? Where's your mind today? That's what I'm asking you.
0: My mind today is the Lakers are going to be playing a game without any centers outside of a guy they signed to a 10-day contract who has nine days left on it.
1: Yeah, who, by the way, (laughs) left the game the other night hurt.
0: Uh, Right. It's questionable. And they're playing against uh, a Suns team that's a completely different Suns team than we're used to seeing in the NBA, at least for the better part of the last 10 or 15 years. And they've got Chris Paul. They've, uh, they've got a, a really good, impressive young center in DeAndre Ayton and a rising superstar in Devin Booker. So while I do think having Schroeder back helps them, I, I know that Marcus Gasol is not some sort of like stalwart on this team. He is a role player and even struggles at times at that. But, you know, when you're actually going to need a big body in a game, he at least can give you those 15 minutes. While I don't think he can stay with Ayton, he at least has that body. Um, and I'm curious to see how the Lakers deal with that tonight because I do think that tonight that is going to be a test of their lack of size, right? Something that we've been focusing on really predominantly through the entirety of the season.
1: Yeah. You know, I think uh, Frank Vogel on yesterday, and for anybody that didn't hear this interview, you should go back and check out our podcast and and you should um, hear what Frank had to say because we talked very specifically about what happens when a star player is going to be out for a long time and how do you and the coaching staff then devise new lineups and he talked about how well we started with this wasn't really going that well we lost four straight games we made a few changes did a little bit of tinkering here and then all of a sudden we've won a couple and so now you're back to the same now it's another problem which is there is no ad we know that you've brought schroeder back okay that was instant energy now tonight gasol is out so george I'll throw it back to you, man. Um, I told you, my, my resume is is decorated, but at a much lower level. My, my three straight back-to-back-to-back Jewish Community Center championships of youth basketball don't exactly qualify me to come up with the game plan tonight for the Lakers. So if you're going to have to make adjustments again now, Gasol out, and again, you're talking about a big man in Aiton over here with Phoenix, what are you going to do?
0: Um, well, probably means LeBron is going to have to play in a little bit in this game. And, you know, LeBron is at his best. And I retweeted this earlier. My guy, Mo Dackhill, who was a video coordinator in the NBA for Pop and for Doc Rivers and for Brett Brown on Team Australia, is in the media now. And he, he tweeted, Uh, a, he does this thing called the... Uh, I forgot what it's called. Whatever. He does like this little feature where he goes through the film because, again, he was a video coordinator. Mm-hmm. And he talked about LeBron being kind of a free safety since Dennis Schroeder came back. And that's when LeBron is at his best. And I think that, you know, when it's easier to do that when you're playing two teams like the Warriors and the Blazers who at the moment don't have big men that you can rely upon. Like Kevon Looney is not a great player. He's come back of injury. Wiseman is a rookie. And the Blazers didn't have uh, New York kids. They had Canner, you know. Um, and none of, none of those guys are as skilled as Aiton. So I, I, I am curious to see how LeBron plays uh, in this situation because you're going to have someone on the floor that really only LeBron can contend with, LZ, when you look at uh, the defense potentially for the Lakers tonight.
3: Yeah, never ever since Chris Paul has arrived in Phoenix, uh, the way that he utilizes his um, Aiton, it's totally different than the LeBron, than the than what they faced last season, you know, where it was more feasible for LeBron to guard Aiden because Aiden had a tendency to kind of float on the perimeter a lot in that mid-range play, so not even at a three-point spot. And that was easier for those moments when LeBron had to guard him. But now with Chris, um, his game is much more refined. He's much more of a threat to really overpower you in the post. And so I don't know how many minutes LeBron is going to be guarding Aiden um, but I agree with you that might have to be one of the uh you know, one of the recourses they take.
0: Yeah, it, it does feel like again you're you're in a situation because the last two games uh, I was telling Scott, like you didn't really face a big man. Like I don't count Ennis Cantor as a big man. He, like, he
3: killed really... us though.
0: I know but,
3: but, <laughs> he but, killed the Lakers.
0: Right, yeah, right. And, and, and but he's a rebounder, scorer. Like you don't, you know like. Sure, you have to defend him in on. You have to defend him because he's a good offensive player. But you can run right by, by him. Like you know what I'm saying. Right. Like, and he doesn't have the athleticism of an Aiton. Even though I don't think Aiton is some great defender. But I, I just think it's curious, right? Because we've kind of knocked Gasol a little bit, <laughs> but now, yeah, now without Gasol. Him. This thing could get worse, Scott. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, that's just it. You know, we've all been kind of saying, what has he really done? Have you been disappointed with what he's brought to the table? And, um, and now it's like, oh, okay, well, we kind of sort of need the big body. I'm waiting to see what's going to happen with this young kid that they signed. LZ, remember on Friday, you were like, what's this dude's name? Damon Wayans? Damon Wayans. Or? Right, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Is Damon Wayans playing tonight? Well, he's earned my respect now because he gave me eight points and like five rebounds and two blocks in eight minutes. So I'm, I'm paying attention to him a lot more than I did before he started playing, even though that was during garbage time against an overmatched uh, warrior squad. Still, eight points in eight minutes with a couple of blocks, I don't care who you're facing, that's not bad. Yeah. So, so, you know, maybe this is an opportunity. I mean, he's young, Aiden is still young. Maybe this is an opportunity for him to of make his mark. Because, speaking of Mark, even if Mark Gasol was available, I still expected Aiden to put in work because Mark just can't keep up with him.
0: And they were teammates, by the way.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. that's true. Damian Jones was on Phoenix, so so who knows
3: what those practices were like? Who knows what was said? You know,
0: I mean, we're kind of grasping at straws, but I don't think anybody really knows. You know what I mean? Like, so you know, if he has a, a big game. That's what we'll point to. He knew him from practice. He
3: knew. He knew. Maybe that's That's... the reason why he's not in the squad anymore. He was too good in practice, and Aiden said, (laughs) get him out of here.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what's interesting about this game, though, tonight, is that if you're the Lakers and you're pulling in, and you don't have AD, okay, everybody knew that was going to be the case. No one knew that this Gasol situation was going to happen, and this information is new. It's like within the last hour and a half. Um, But tonight, if you're Phoenix, this is precisely what we were talking about yesterday, which is, if you're Phoenix, you want to beat the Lakers. You, you, you would do anything tonight to have a huge night Scar, because you want to Scar. beat the Lakers. Yes, sir, LZ.
3: Every team wants to beat the Lakers. We're Agreed. the champs.
1: Agreed. Yes, sir. This is, you're exactly right. But they're wounded. They're not full strength. You want to pound them. You want to take it to them. Um, that's what we were talking about yesterday about Golden State. Their complaint, or at least Steph's complaint, that everybody wants to take it to us because of what happened for our, throughout all of our success. Tonight, your Phoenix, you want to take it to the to the Lakers while you got the shot.
3: I think it's definitely an element of take it to the Lakers, but it's also a measuring stick just for themselves to see just how good they really are. Even though AD you're is not Phoenix. there, Phoenix, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even even though AD is not there. To me, it's not simply just about taking it to the Lakers. I think for a team like the Nets, that might be a motivating factor. But for a team like Phoenix that, that are still trying to figure out exactly what you are and how you measure up, this is an opportunity for you to figure that out.
0: Well, uh, uh, let me add this. You know, we have marveled that LeBron, deservedly so, at 36 years old. I mean, Chris Paul's done pretty well for himself. It, I don't think it's a coincidence that Chris Paul's training group and staff the last couple of seasons were the guys that worked with LeBron for many, <laughs> many, many years dating back to his days in Miami. So, like, I, you know, LeBron may, may not be working with them daily anymore, but obviously worked with them for years. And now Chris, over the last several years, has worked with them. Chris has re, reinvigorated himself. And honestly, he's – I don't want to say throwback because that feels disrespectful, um, but he really has created almost like a different – trajectory for his career because remember lz chris paul was the guy that people are like oh man i don't like chris paul he's kind of you know he, he he's he's a little dirty he's this he's that like you know he's not a great teammate especially when he was here right there was always right. the battles with him and blake and deandre and all that stuff but it's funny because that that narrative is no longer a narrative i feel like for him
3: no it's not you can think think farm for that and yeah. Jake. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? Did, right? That did a lot but to clean up his And
0: OKC, like going yeah. in there, everyone thought he was going to ask for a buyout, right? Everyone right. thought, oh, he's not going to be there. He'll be there five minutes. He went there, he grabbed those young guys, and he taught them, and he said, let's go and let's make the playoffs. And they and, did. And
1: uh-huh. what about his, um, you know, everything that he did in the bubble? From a leadership perspective sure, of the players, sure. is that also a contributing yeah. factor to the the change of perception about this guy? I think
0: I, that's I, a great point. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I would also throw just throw in just what happened to Houston when he left. Right. You know, it was like they were he, worse with Russ. They were worse with Russ, and there was a lot of you know lip that Chris Paul had lost it, and that you know he couldn't he couldn't get along with with James Harden, and it's pretty clear now. You know, who came out of that looking best?
0: Yes, no question about it. Mm -hmm. It was Chris Paul. So we'll take you up to 5.30 today. We'll take you up to the pregame with Sliwa and Michael. Uh, All right, coming up next, two things. We're going to have to have a real conversation about the Clippers because they got some problems, okay? Mm. And if you're an old person... Today is your day. I'll explain what that means coming up in just a few moments. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports
1: book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for
0: sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets
1: if your first bet doesn't win download espn bet today what a play must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details
0: so don LZ, cap with you here at 710 espn taking up till 5:30 today that last segment was brought to you by our friends at alignment health plan changing health care one person at a time so today is national old stuff day and i feel like this is a conversation that i have occasionally with people and it just kind of gives me a glimpse of, like, what the deal is with you. Now... <laughs> um, what the deal is with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because deal? Yeah, because I think people are hoarders. Mm-hmm. Um, like, some people are hoarders. <laughs> and some people like keepsakes, right? Yep, like, I think uh-huh. there, is, there is a fine line between those two. Um, so, like... For example, National Old Stuff Day, to me, makes me think of stuff like you keep in the garage or maybe something you have that you probably should have thrown away like 10 years ago. I had this conversation with Kirk Morrison, for example, um, man, maybe like last year, like right before the pandemic, and because we did it again. It was this day. And I asked him, like, w- you know, what do you keep? He's like, man, I got clothes in my closet that are at least way too many years old, right? Mm-hmm. Like is the way he described it. And I'm like, come on, man. You got to... I mean, I'm sure you have a big-ass closet, but, like, how like how many clothes are you going in there and saying to yourself, I'm going to wear this one day, but even though I haven't worn it in five years, I'm still going to wear it. Because I I used to be that guy, and then one day I said, the hell with all this crap. I, I literally, <laughs> after that conversation with Kirk, I threw out a ton of clothes. Not threw out, but donated or threw out or whatever. A ton of clothes. Like, what is the oldest thing that you have in your possession at oh, your boy. house right now? Oh, oh my oldest God. thing
3: in my possession? Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably my son.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, beyond some a person. Yes. Oh,
3: okay, okay. Yeah. A,
0: just an object,
3: yes. Just an, okay, all right, yeah. let me think here. I do have a 2002 jersey from a basketball tournament that I played in and won third place.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's nothing. That's <laughs> so nothing. 2002? So what
3: is that? So what is that, 20, That's almost 20, 20 years, years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I do have that. Uh-huh. I don't think anything else. You know, maybe some, like, award... You know, and they like a, and a, you know, you got like an elementary school with right. the paper awards oh, no. and the frames. Yes. Oh, yeah. no. I think I still have like one yeah. of those yeah. my mom had or something like that from eighth grade or something.
0: Oh, right terrible. now, kids stuff, kids stuff. Like if you know, if, if like Isaiah did, like drew you something in like second grade. Oh God,
3: I got everything Isaiah's you, ever no, that, done. that
0: stuff doesn't <laughs> count. That stuff because those are for your kids or keepsakes. I don't right. consider. I'm talking about your stuff. Right, that you're like, man, like, so, like, for me, for example, the other day I came across my high school ID, mm. and I was like, wow, I can't believe I still have this. Where so was I, it? Where?
3: In yeah. his wallet. Duh. No, no. It, wasn't in my wallet.
0: <laughs> it was in a, in like a, in like a, you know, like those plastic containers you get at like the container store yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, like in a closet. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why do I still have this? So I mm-hmm. took a picture of it um, to to post on IG, and it was just so people can laugh. Um, and, and then I just threw it away. Like, I'm like, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> See, once um, LZ, though, said he had, like, some award from when he was a little kid. I was, like, laughing, like, oh, no, that's so bad because I, w- I forgot. I-, I have one, too. Like, I've got something from my senior year of high school. It's right here in my office at my house. I thought that was, like, no big deal. But now that I'm, think, I'm looking at it, I'm going, what is this thing doing here? It's, it's yeah. 30-something <laughs> years old. Why do I it, still have this stuff? Right,
0: right. Why do you need right. it there? So I'd love to hear from the audience at eight seven 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 ten 710 espn Give me something that you have in your house that's so old that you still wonder to yourself, why do I
1: have this? But let me ask a- you a quick
3: question. And, and not yeah. your children. And not children. George children says don't <laughs> include children. <laughs> yes. okay.
1: But I just yeah. want to ask you guys this question. Yeah. Um, do you have like a bunch of stuff that you know you got to get rid of But for some reason, you just can't. I'm telling you, I got a half a garage of the last 25 or 30 years of my life with lots of little things in it, whether it's credentials from Super Bowls or boxing matches, things that are so old. And I'm like, one day I'm going to actually frame all these things and I'm never going to do it. And yet I still hold on to this stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I have almost every significant credential, I think, still in a trunk and the pile is just growing Same. and I'll reach in and go oh yeah I remember this no <laughs> you know, but I stopped
0: I stopped doing that I have a a a thing in storage like a box like that with old credentials from like first times I went to the Super Bowl or the World Series or the NBA finals I- now I just toss all those things. Now I don't mess around. What, what are you, you
3: doing? How are we supposed to do the biopic about your life if you're throwing me all these mementos? How are we going to retell mean, your story?
0: I, I, I know I was there. You know what <laughs> I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, but
3: we're supposed to be retelling your story. You're going to be dead. We need to redo your movie like in fifty years. Right. What are they going to turn to?
0: I mean, they'll have video that I was there. You know what I'm saying, or something. You know, I don't when know, I was man,
1: at... it'll be on VHS. That video. I still got a ton of those too laying around. VHS. Do you page? have VHS videos, dude? VHS videos? Okay, and, uh, uh, and let me tell you something
0: funny about VHS videos. So in my uh, storage, okay, there are um, two VHS videos, okay? And it's funny. One of them isn't even mine. It was like my cousins who since passed away. He was a big Mets fan, and he had game six and seven of the 1986 World Series on VHS, okay? Mm -hmm. So that is sitting there. But the game that I recorded when I was a kid, so I might have been like 12, was uh, uh, obviously growing up in Miami. I grew up a big Hurricanes fan. And I recorded, in real time, one of the biggest ass-whoopings in the history of college football in, the bowl, in bowl game history. They beat the living dog crap out of the University of Texas. I want to say it was like 40-3, to 3, and they had like 240 yards in penalties mm. that day. <laughs> and still won by like 40 points. Oh, the, actually, man. it was 46-3, to 3, now that I remember. And they had over 200 yards in penalties. And I'll never forget on that CBS broadcast... Um, Mike Francesa, who was a long-time yeah, uh, yeah. New York talk show host, mm-hmm. was doing college football studio mm-hmm. back then for mm-hmm. some reason mm-hmm. in 1990 <laughs> and was talking about, this is disgraceful by Miami to be able to. It was in the U documentary, yeah. that game. Where I remember they,
3: that. Yeah, yeah, they yeah.
0: whooped Texas's ass. And I still to this day think back and I'm like, you know what? One day I'm going to buy a VCR just to watch that oh, game dude, back because dude, it don't was buy an ass whooper. Don't
1: buy one. I got plenty. You can borrow them from me. Oh, okay. yeah, I got, I got VCRs. I got VCRs that yeah. can actually turn VHS tapes into DVDs, and then oh. you can record one DVD and copy, like, three at a time. George, I got well, all the technology from the 90s. But do we use DVDs still? Like, even no. that feels dated, I got, no? I swear to you you, you, you had no idea that when you brought up that today's National Old Stuff Day, I got so much old stuff in my garage. I don't know why I can't part with it. I don't know. Maybe I think it's worth something on eBay. I'll never post it. I don't know, man. I got a lot of old stuff.
3: Maybe just like the memories that they represent.
1: Yeah, there's that. Perhaps. Yeah. All right, let's Thank go you, to the phones.
3: People are
0: chiming in. Eric and Covina. Eric, what do you got?
4: Hey, guys. Well, hey, don't get rid of all that old stuff because that's all going retro. People are buying that for 300 bucks a pop or more. But my retro stuff, that i it's got to be I was nine years old, a, a trophy from when I was nine years old, my first flag football team called
0: the viking nice. how old nice. are
1: you nine years old nice don't get upset hey, wow. he just didn't hear you say it the first time don't get crazy all right Not
0: what's nice. what, what's going on uh, today nine you okay? years old though i mean i could see that like your first one okay you know you first show your trophy. kids you know maybe I, I i could see that all right eric thank you buddy let's go to
4: todd and rancho Cucamonga. Rob, todd what do you got hey i've got a down vest i'm sure you guys remember those from 1973
1: nice. it's navy blue my kid's 27 and he thinks it's the coolest thing in the world <laughs> yeah you know why because if he went to a thrift shop and he bought it he'd be like look how rad this is dad but yeah. you know it's yours old right. school that's awesome
3: that's well done
0: i mean you could buy that thing you, i mean hell lululemon sells those things for like 100 bucks these days so actually that's
1: uh,
3: <laughs> exactly you know. what's that your oldest
1: out? article of clothing what's your the since we got specific What's what do you think the your oldest article of clothing is that, that you I just oh, can't part with? It's got to be I, like a
0: T-shirt or something. I mean, no, that I, I wear
1: or that yeah. I just have that you just yeah. have somewhere hanging or in a in a drawer somewhere. What do you got?
3: Oh, it's that jersey I told you about from twenty years ago.
1: Got it. yeah. The one from yeah, the, from, yeah, from, yeah. yeah, I've got one. I just know for sure. I just saw it in my drawer the other day. I'm like, why do I still have this? From, like, 1990, my college football years, it's a white T-shirt. It says pit football on it, and it's got, like, yellow armpits because it's a white T-shirt, right. you know? Right, Why do I hold on to this? I don't know. Well,
0: you, what you should do is you forget the antiperspirant and just go with the deodorant. You won't get the yellow pits.
1: Yeah, I like the. Ooh, he just
3: broke birthday. down the hygiene. There's yeah. a life. That's,
0: that's a life hack for you. That's some yeah.
3: manscaping right there, baby. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. By the
0: way, we did. So keep it coming with your old stuff that you have that you hold on to for no apparent reason. Eight seven 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 ten ESPN on National Old Stuff Day. 877-710-3776. We did not have the real conversation about the Clippers. The Clippers are a disaster, and we'll explain why coming up in three minutes. Seven ten ESPN. Happy birthday, John Bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi has aged the best of all those 80s rockers, for sure. If you don't
3: stop, you know good and damn well that man's had plastic surgery. Why are you (laughs) trying to make everybody else feel bad?
1: Really? You think so? I don't know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What do I know? What do I know about plastic surgery?
1: How should I know?
4: Well, put it this way.
3: (laughs) Whatever moisturizer he's using, no other white person in the history of white people have ever used it. (laughs) That's some oil of Olay that you get at Costco in the two-pack is what that is. Dude. Yes, I do believe John Bon Jovi has had a touch up of two.
1: Okay, I mean, if you say so. I don't know. (laughs) I I gotta say, I love Bon Jovi. I do, I do. I still love him even today.
0: I mean, those songs were good songs. I mean, even you know Keyshawn, we used to laugh because he used to say, "I knew that when John Bon, he knew John Bon Jovi only because he'd go hang out with his white friends in college, and you know those (laughs) songs would be playing on the bar, the jukebox of the bar, and he'd be getting down."
3: But you know what's (laughs) awesome about. That era of music, though, yeah. is that at least when it came to pop rock songs, yeah, they were really like talking about the heartland and yeah. talking about what it meant to live in America from a from a working class perspective. And I think right. that's one of the reasons why they resonated across so many different races and genres. Yeah, right. yeah. That's well, why it's why genre-
0: country music has risen, right? Yeah. Like amongst people that aren't like uh, just. You know, traditionally right. country music was a white genre, and it's right. not anymore.
1: John, uh, listen, John Bon Jovi. You're right about that, LZ. I'll give you another guy who really still, to me, resonates. You ready? His songs, John Cougar Mellencamp. Oh, I thing. was going to
3: say John Cougar Mellencamp is actually my favorite. I mean, right, yeah. and then you know, Little Pink and, Houses.
1: I mean, but
0: I liked him better when he was John Cougar Mellencamp as opposed to just John Mellencamp or John Cougar.
3: He changed his name a lot. He did change his name a lot depending upon the fonts he was filling for these albums. Right.
1: But when he was wearing jeans and he had on a white t shirt and it was tucked in and he was rocking some penny
3: loafers and he was yeah. playing an acoustic guitar and he was getting down, John Cougar Mellencamp, he was a bad man. He's a very, very bad man. I've yeah. seen him once in concert. Unfortunately, it wasn't at his peak. Yeah. So Um, when he he started to do his dancing, I was like, "I'm gonna need you to stop."
0: (laughs) By the way, I feel like Laura was playing that to troll us. Not only is it John Bon Jovi's birthday, but he's also old, and we've been talking about old stuff. And we got people Mm -hmm. on the phone that want to talk about the old stuff that they're hoarding at their house still at eight seven 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 ten ESPN. I see you, Laura. I know you're trolling us. I see Uh what you're doing.
3: She's trolling us today, but don't worry. Getting old is supposed to be the goal.
0: Yeah,
2: y'all look like fine wine.
4: Y'all good.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. y'all is good. Um, But (laughs) what's not good is the Clippers right now. So, the Clippers have been an absolute disaster at the end of games. Now, this is not necessarily new information because we started talking about this recently as well. Like, we were just kind of, like, discussing some of the issues uh, that they've been having, particularly down the stretch of games, right? Like, their fourth quarters have been a mess. But now that we have a large enough sample size, let me just tell you about the Clippers in, quote-unquote, clutch time this season. So, clutch time is described as this. The last five minutes of the game, a game within five points in either direction. The Clippers this season ranked in that time, right? Clutch time. Last five minutes of the game within five points. 30th in defensive rating. Um, mm. LZ, how many teams are there in the NBA?
3: More than 30, but not by much.
0: <laughs> no, 30. <laughs> so, so, exactly. Um, they are also 30th in net rating. 30th in assists. 29th in field goal percentage, 20, 27th in field goal percentage allowed, which is not the good thing. That's not a good thing. Um, there's only three. That means that they're the third worst. Um, 28th in rebounds, 20th in win percentage. When you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, shouldn't you be better at the end of games considering that all we heard when Kawhi was in Toronto is what a closer he is? And he has not been much of a closer um, really since the first half of the season last year, LZ.
3: Well... There's a really good reason for that. What did he have in Toronto that he does not have in L.A.? Kyle Lowry was a point guard? A point guard. (laughs) Like, this is the reason why a lot of people think, you know, I can't speak for anyone else, but a lot of people think I'm on LeBron's jock for whatever reasons. The only reason why I give this man his propers is because I understand what he's able to do I don't think we've seen before. And here's yet another example. If LeBron James so chooses to, he is and can be a point guard. They thought, they being the Clippers, that if we have someone LeBron's size who can bring the ball up the court too, that they were essentially having their own version of LeBron James. And I'm sorry, just because you're 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", and can dribble doesn't mean that you can be a point guard. That is still a special skill set that Kawhi, as great as he is, has yet to develop so that his team doesn't collapse the way that it does in this crunch time when executing plays matters most.
0: Well, it's interesting because Kawhi, Scott, his assist numbers are up, but to LZ's point, I think a lot of that is just, well, they don't have any other recourse, basically, right? They got to put the ball in somebody's hands to try to make plays. And I don't believe that Kawhi is ultra comfortable in that role, but my thing is this. Think about it this way, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Scott, and LZ as well. Is you look at Kawhi, you know, when he was with San Antonio, you know, we knew who the leaders of that team were. It was Tim, it was Manu, it was Tony, right? And then, you know, he did win finals MVP, but people forget that year he only averaged 14 points a game. In the finals, he was incredible, don't get me wrong, but he won that finals MVP, he played great, he deserved it. But then he goes to Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. Not a lot of pressure there because he didn't have a ton of pressure in San Antonio because he, he wasn't the guy there. And in Toronto, you know, look, everyone knew he was a rental. You know, he kind of caught everyone by surprise. They also did get a little fortunate with the Warriors' misfortune. So, Scott, was he miscast as a person who could be not just a top-five player that he is because he's certainly that, but a leader of a team?
1: So, Kawhi Leonard, to me, is not a leader. Um, listen, I'll go way back here. So I got to see Kawhi's college career, which lasted two years. He wasn't the leader of either of those teams. He, he played on a great college basketball team that made it to the sweet 16. He, there were other guys on that team. He was a sophomore. They were seniors. They were the leaders on that team. Kawhi was the guy who would eventually become Kawhi Leonard. But I got to tell you, nobody back then Thought Kawhi was going to turn into the player that he's become. Okay, fast forward now. Great player, amazing defensive player. He's elevated his game to where he plays above the rim. It's again something he didn't do as a young player. He can shoot the ball better than he ever could as a young player. He's crafted his game. But in terms of personality, and I don't mean rah rah stuff, he just doesn't have what I think of as being LeBron type leadership skills. He doesn't have the body. He doesn't have the game. He's great, but he doesn't have the leadership skills. And it's just a personality thing the way I see it.
3: Well, to your point, Scott, um, I do believe Kawhi Leonard is a leader. He just isn't a vocal one. And when I talk about point guards, um, their best attribute is their ability to communicate, hence being more vocal. And so that's the reason why I splinter between him and LeBron James, I do believe Kawhi Leonard is an excellent example for those who do not need to be told and just need to watch and see. But what I don't think they clip, that the Clippers have and what they desperately need is one of their top players being a vocal leader to make sure that people are where they need to be in case they're not paying attention to Kawhi Leonard and his non-verbals, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yes, I yeah, I do. so I do. So, so I don't wanna go so far as to say, George, that he's totally miscast as a leader, Because I think leadership uh, shows itself in a lot of different ways. But for the Clippers, in those critical moments that you talked about, they desperately need a point guard who's willing to be a vocal leader. And that is not Kawhi nor Paul George. And it can't be Pat Bev, even though he's vocal and he's a point guard, but because he doesn't have the skill set to set up the offense, he's not the kind of vocal point guard leadership that they need.
0: 877-710-ESPN if you want to hop aboard, 877-710-3776. I know we got people on hold that want to talk about the old stuff they've been harboring uh, for a long, long time. We were talking about that. It is National Old Stuff Day. Also, would love to get your thoughts on Kawhi. Do you believe he's miscast as a leader? 877-710-ESPN. We'll get to some of your calls on the other side. Uh, Plus, huge story in the NFL today, quarterback controversy? Maybe. We'll get to that in two and a half minutes. Sadat so LZ and Cap with you here, taking you up till five thirty today. Lakers Suns pregame starts at five thirty, as I mentioned, with Sliwa and Michael.
3: And it's in there alone.
0: Sorry, I stepped over your song, LZ.
3: It's quite all right. It's it quite starting. all right. Laura's making me smile playing a little EC. Yeah, actually, he's Eric playing Springsteen. Right? Eric Church, yeah, who's singing a song called Springsteen, which yeah. fits into the conversation we had in the previous segment about, about- old people. About old people who sings about <laughs> living in the heartland of America.
0: <laughs> there we You're go. The boss, I feel you got like the boss on that list. Springsteen is literally, like, I think anybody can do a Springsteen impersonation. It's just like, <laughs> like you just sound constipated and then sing. Like that's, <laughs> that's kind of Springsteen, basically.
3: I'll, I'll be honest with you. I never got it. Um, I, I could intellectualize it, like why he's yeah. popular. Sure. The lyrics but- are great. But not once in my life did I jump in my car and go, I'm going to play some Springsteen.
1: Never. Not once. Never. Not totally once. Totally the same. Totally agreed. Uh, I know people that are Springsteen maniacs. They travel and follow them like yeah, he's the Grateful Dead. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and honestly, like, you go back to some old Springsteen, you're like, okay, I got that. But, like, all the poppy Springsteen stuff, I knew it was popular when I was a kid. But, again, don't, don't have it in my phone. have never gone to see him in concert. Uh, I know people in New Jersey take great pride. Springsteen, yeah, it's our guy. But I'm more into Bon Jovi, New Jersey.
0: Yeah. By the way, um, we were talking about Kawhi being miscast as a leader. It kind of dawned on me. Like, there's been other great players like that, right? A-Rod, when he went to Texas, remember, signed that big deal?
3: You don't have to say when he gets to Texas, just A-Rod. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's never been a leader on any team. But there are guys who
1: should theoretically be the leader, because of their position and you just don't perceive them to be that's what i'm saying about kawaii great player incredibly hard worker highly decorated obviously but um in terms of like organizational i'm the face and everybody knows it and i speak for the team the way lebron does the way a tom brady would um i don't i don't well i know for sure Kawhi doesn't have that type of personality so to your point, I, LZ, about communication, he don't have that as part of his game.
3: But but here's the difference, though. And, and George, you know this as well as anyone. We keep saying Kawhi's not a leader, but he's the one that told them to go get Paul George, and they went and did it. Well, that's so leadership, the end, then, too. That's, yeah. fair that's yeah. fair. I yeah. mean, so so <laughs> I, I so that's why I keep pushing back on this notion that Kawhi's not a leader. Oh, he leads. It's just he's not the kind of leader that this team needs. on this floor in the fourth quarter critical moments. But
0: but I I think that when I mean miscast as a leader, I mean that, right? Like someone that, you know, galvanizes the team. Like we know LeBron's going to do that for better or worse. He's going to tell you how he feels, right? Right. Um, And I think that it it seems fairly obvious that he's the guy, right? Like I don't think there's any question. Um, You look at um, the Warriors – right that's that's Draymond's job you know right. what I mean like right. that and it's not it's not a knock on Steph like Steph's got his own way of leading too um but they've got Draymond and right. you know you look at just historically great teams Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was more like Kawhi but they had magic right. you know exactly. what I mean like so you have to have those guys to your point alright seven 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 ten 877-710-ESPN we got a lot of people that want to chime in national old stuff day on old stuff that they're harboring Mike is in Carson what's up Mike
3: What's
4: up, guys? Hey, I'm a Laker fan since birth. Saw Wilt and Jerry play when I was a kid. I've got one VHS tape in my house. 1985, the Lakers at the Garden winning that ship, erasing that curse, beating the Celtics on the parquet floor. I'll never get rid of that tape right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, but do you have a way to watch it?
4: I'm gonna have to transfer it to DVD. I've been saying <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I still have it, but dude, you don't even
1: do the right. DVDs anymore. Dude, so, dude, but I got I, the, I got the machine tape. for you. Listen to me. I got the machine that'll do it, and yeah. I still got a stack of DVDs that I bought like at a Staples back in like 1995. Right. There's there's yeah. like a hundred of them, brand new, yeah. sitting there waiting for somebody By the way, to burn them. Do you remember
0: who the leading scorer was in that game? I do not. Was it Kareem? It was Kareem, 29 points.
4: Yeah. It was Kareem, yeah. I remember him r- running down court with his hands raised, his fists. But what I remember most on that tape is Bill Burke, the assistant coach, yelling oh, yeah. when yeah. they were interviewing, on the parquet floor, on yeah. the parquet floor. It was yeah, a beautiful legend. moment, and I got that tape.
0: Bill Burka's a Take legend. Take it easy, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank Appreciate you. it. I mean, thank you, Mike. Appreciate Later, it. Dude. All right, so Mike and Carson drops off, opens it up for you at 877-710-ESPN. Early is in Redondo Beach. What up, Early?
4: Hey, how you doing, Cap? Maybe you can help me out. Um, Yo. I've got the original Star Wars trilogy, but I got it on Laserdisc. Oh,
3: laser my God. disc. Hold on. Oh. Laserdisc.
0: Now, for the, for, for the kids at home that don't have any idea what a Laserdisc is. Kids? Was.
3: The grown-ass people that don't know what yeah. that is. That's so, old. A
0: laser disc <laughs> is basically a DVD, but the size of a vinyl <laughs> record, right?
1: Right. Like an LP. Yeah. Like an old, uh, was it a 33? Was the big one and a 45 was the small right. one? Is that right? Right, 12-inch. Okay mm-hmm okay so listen I'd love to help you out here early I really really would the VHS recorder with the DVD burner is as deep as I go into my collection of useless electronics that are in my garage I do not have one of those devices that you desperately need to see that Star Wars trilogy I, I've never been able to watch it myself because I've never had one I also have ET on Laserdisc too so um, you know Anybody Since you're can never help me out use them, Let me ask you something. Are those yeah. still packaged, by the way? Are they in the packages? Yes. Dude, yes. you gotta put, You got to go nice list and, that stuff. And, and I don't think they've ever been watched, probably. Dude, go Man. list it on eBay. I'm telling you right now. That, somebody's got to have a laser
0: disc thing on eBay. That, He's right. or somebody
1: yeah. wants those things. Believe yeah. it or not, people want your junk.
3: Yeah. Well,
1: I've been holding it on onto it for this long. I just don't know if I can get rid of it because it is part of my childhood, even though I've never been able to fully experience it.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, sorry, <laughs> early. The Internet, internet could be your friend. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Um, speaking of the
2: he
3: didn't get that. <laughs> did I, did Laura too, has was no idea too what fast? that
1: is. Right? Well, no, I, I I think LZ said something, mm-hmm. and I missed it completely. You did. What did he say? I missed it, LZ, and I'm sure it was brilliant. What did you say, man?
3: Uh, no, I just told you, Laura,
1: you heard me. I just told him to settle down. That's all. Mm-hmm. I know, because cause I, cause I know <laughs> that when I called his... Star Wars trilogy Blu-rays or whatever they—I called it junk, didn't I?
0: Laser disc. Yes.
1: Yeah. So you,
3: you said everybody wants your. So you said somebody wants your junk. Mm. Is mm. what you said. Oh, oh, that part.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, phrasing world.
3: <laughs> with with a lot of excitement. Yes. I, I thought it was Doris Burke all over again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, leave my girl alone. She's got to be mortified at that. The way yeah. that went down. Oh, uh, that it, Oh,
3: that went down all right, bro.
0: <laughs> she was talking about a basketball play. Leave the queen alone, okay?
3: Yes, she was. <laughs> somebody wants that guy basketball job. play edited by danielle Steele. <laughs>
0: yeah uh, real quick before we move on here um because we got what you need to know and our buddy lewis riddick uh voice one of the voices of monday night football one of the brightest minds in the nfl are covering the nfl is going to join us and scott's uh old college teammate and roommate i believe or locker Not mate. roommate
1: but locker roommate locker yeah, mate. Locker mate, um, right there
0: but speaking of football Dak prescott big story today jane slater um who works for the NFL Network has this story that Dak wants to be the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And look, while I'm all about player empowerment and players getting everything they can and always get what you can get as far as financially, uh, as far as that's concerned financially, I think from a team perspective, I look at it like, ooh, he's coming off an injury. Like, he definitely makes us better, but is he like right behind Patrick Mahomes? And and honestly, Scott, I'll start with you. Like, I think the Cowboys are to blame for this whole Dak mess. Because say what you want about the Niners signing Jimmy Garoppolo and we thought that deal was crazy. That deal's like middle of the pack right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, if the Cowboys would have done that two years ago when they signed Garoppolo, they'd have a bargain in Dak Prescott right now. Yeah,
1: you know, I'll, I'll be curious to hear what you guys all think about this. But listen... Everybody thinks that signing an NFL player, especially a quarterback, is all about the timing, right? So once Mahomes got his money, then whoever is next, theoretically, you would think would get more money. But not the case, of course, because Mahomes is the gold standard. And so now it becomes, how close to Mahomes can I get? Well, how close to Mahomes are you? You guys tell me, is, is Dak Prescott the second-best
3: quarterback in the NFL You are doing behind? it all wrong, my friend. Tell me. Tell me where I'm seeing it wrong. See, you're trying to equate someone's salary with league value Mm -hmm. it's equating their salary to that team's value in other words it's not what that player is in comparison to the league it's what does that player mean to that team okay what do you think Dak Prescott means to the Cowboys you tell me did they make the postseason uh no they didn't did they look competent to even come close to making the postseason no they didn't do they have a quarterback right now other than Dak Prescott that you think can get them to the postseason no, I don't. Well, that should tell you the value right then and there.
1: But let me throw a couple things back at you, which is, number one, first year under a new head coach, who, by the way, I'm not the biggest fan of. I don't know how you guys feel about Mike McCarthy. That's number one. Number two, I, I hear what you're saying, LZ, about it's, it's his value to his team. If I'm Jerry Jones, if this is my team, and i got to make a decision, do I want to bring Dak Prescott back? Pay him thirty-five plus million dollars when I'm not a hundred percent sure what his health is going to be going forward. Do I want to pay this guy this kind of money right now? And honestly, with all the quarterback movement that's expected to happen in the NFL, I don't think I want to pay Dak Prescott thirty five, thirty six, thirty-seven million dollars.
3: That's you know, it's certainly your prerogative, but as I said, it's not the question isn't, you know, whether or not Dak Prescott is the second best quarterback in the league I think many of us know the answer to that question is no Correct. but the question is can the Dallas Cowboys afford to let him walk I think they can, and I'll, well, I'll, I'll tell well, you why. Uh, tell
0: us on the other side. All How right. about that? We'll you do got that it. on the other side because Louis Riddick is going to join us. We can talk can to him answer. about that. Yeah, um, him and answer. when Louis comes on, we can have this discussion with him because it's the big story of the day. Plus, there's a lot of rumors about who could be the Cowboy quarterback if it's not Dak. So all that with Louis Riddick, one of the voices of Monday Night Football, one of the smartest men covering the sport, and, of course, uh, Scott's former teammate in college. So all that coming up in a few minutes, plus what you need to know. Sedano, LZ, and Cap, back in two minutes. All right, what you need to know is brought to you by Morongo Play. It's safe, good times. Lou Riddick will join us in three minutes. He is one of the voices of Monday Night Football, one of the preeminent voices covering the NFL, and Scott's roommate, or teammate, excuse me, former teammate in college. All right, Greg, what do you got and what you need to know? Newest Dodger Trevor Bauer was talking about what brought him to the Dodgers a little bit today, and one of the things that he talked about was the integration amongst the different staffs, including the analytics department, the strength staff, the medical staff, and the on-field staff,
1: all talk to the analytics staff, George. So what do you think of this way that the Dodgers work compared to other teams?
0: Well, I think it it goes to show you why I think Andrew Friedman is one of the smartest executives in all of sports, right? Like, when you think about it, there's always this rub, it feels like, between analytics and the other aspects of sports, people with the eye test, some of the old-school guys – and look, analytics is just a fancy word for information. <laughs> and the fact is you should have your data people talking to the rest of your organization, regardless of whether it's a sports organization, whether it's a media company like ESPN or whatever you do. If there's information and math that can help you, why not utilize that and allow your the rest of your company uh, to be able to work with those
1: people? The, the hard part of that, though, what you're talking about and companies and people who are listening right now will know exactly what I'm about to say you always want your company to run smoothly. You want the sales and marketing team over here to jive really well with the programming department over here. You want the analytics group in the Dodger organization to work really closely with the training staff, but more often than not in all kinds of businesses, it's very hard to get all the different departments to jive and be on the same page. If what Trevor Bauer is saying is true, it's not just about, like you said, George, about being a great sports executive. You go run any company you want to. If you can figure out a way to get departments to work with one another in unison like that, that's the way I see it.
3: It It's amazing to me how some sports let the old heads dictate the value of analytics. And other sports embrace it. You know, sports like golf and tennis embrace analytics in a way that is still resisted in, you know, maybe like the NBA amongst the old heads. And I just think it's, like, so ridiculous. Like, you know, if if you know a guy likes to hit a certain pitch down 0-2, this, this, you're not bastardizing the game by possessing this information and utilizing it. <laughs> like, no more than you are – Denouncing the value of a pitching coach if you decide to, to pitch a or tape a game or take a, a you know a bullpen session and then analyze the positioning in which you're releasing the ball. That's not bastardizing or undermining what a what a pitching coach does. It's using everything at your disposal to make you better. So I'm glad Trevor values that with the Dodgers. I think that's one of the reasons why we're ahead of the game, because we don't let those old-school, antiquated mentalities interfere with our progress.
1: I think people look at analytics, though, LZ, and they look back to the World Series last year and they see uh, Tampa taking out a guy like Blake Snell who's on fire, but it's like, oh, no, oh, no, he's got certain number of pitches, can't pitch him anymore. I think that's where a lot of the criticism of analytics
3: comes in. Well, that's why you got to look at analytics like you do drinking, George. Everything in moderation. <laughs> there
0: you go. Everything needs to just work together. That's my point. All right, that's what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. You're listening to KSBN Los Angeles. Sedano, LZ, and Cap with you here on 710 ESPN. And we're now joined by one of the voices of Monday Night Football. I believe one of the preeminent voices covering the National Football League. Former player, former front office member, Lewis Riddick. He was also a, a teammate of Scott Kaplan. Like, let me ask you this. But, and we want to talk to you about this analytics analytics story we just uh, discussed and just kind of how that stuff gets misconstrued I feel like by some old heads as LZ says but like how did you deal with Kaplan for all those years is my first question.
1: Fair question.
4: Well to be honest with you I didn't deal with him that's how you deal with him you just don't you (laughs) just ignore him but no he was uh look I mean Scotty he was cool, you know he he did that he did the typical kicker thing, you know he had his little quirks, his little shoes that he had to wear when he kicked, you know he's kind of stood off to the side and you know he did what he had to do though he he was big time he was big time
3: in college. <laughs> no, I don't know about all that, Lou. No, no, now Lou, we were given some information yeah, you're about right. Sean McVay. It sound better,
4: but you know what? you
3: know. <laughs> we were handed some information about Sean McVay that we didn't see coming from his good friend Raheem okay, Morris. What that. Is that? Sean McVay is a hell of a dancer. Like yeah. John B level. Wow. You know, white black dude. Mm-hmm. How close is, is right? Scott Kaplan to being John B. Help me out here, Lou.
4: No, man. You know, I I've never you know what? I, I don't know. Scott, can you dance? You have any <laughs> rhythm like that?
1: I mean, come on, Lou. Look at me. Can you? Look at me, dog.
4: No, no, I, I, I am. I'm I'm picturing you right now. That's why I'm having a little bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean I mean, I'm, I mean I'm sorry man I'm sorry to be on National Radio questioning you like this but I don't know man I'm skeptical. I'm yeah, s- I good. never would have thought that about me Mc- and goes look Mick is my boy but I didn't I didn't know that either.
0: Yeah, Raheem yeah. Morris, Raheem Morris we asked him the question like give us you've known Sean all these years right you kind of grew up together in the business give us something we'd be surprised about. And that's what he laid on us. He said man this dude is like is right? John B yeah. Justin Timberlake style dancer when you get him on the floor.
4: No yeah. I don't you know what but you know Sean Sean's kinda wizard like that, you know. He got the he got the tight jeans, he's always wearing a nice shoes. he's got the <laughs> tight fitting shirt, you know. So Sean it doesn't it doesn't shock me. I just damn, I guess I just didn't see that, but I should I I shouldn't be shocked, man. He Sean's up to date, let's just put it that way. Yeah. He, Although Lou he did on.
1: he did say on the air the other day when we asked him about it, it was pretty much just give him two vodkas and he's ready to go.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that's that's quite well. Scotty, I'm pro- I'm pretty sure that's probably how you get going to it. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how you start pretending like you can dance. Right, so thinking I can dance. Bert. I'm going to ask some of the pla- I'm have to ask some of the guys because I I, don't, I just can't see it. But you know what? I've been surprised before.
3: There you go. <laughs> Speaking of surprises, were you surprised to see that the Rams made the move for Matt Stafford?
4: Uh, no, because I could I could see, I could see the frustration building, in Sean. And in how he thought that that offense probably should be playing, and how it was playing ultimately, what he thought the quarterback should be contributing, and what he should be doing to take that offense to the next level, and then what the what the quarterback actually was delivering. And look, I don't I don't mean I'm not trying to disrespect Jared Goff because I like Jared, I like him a lot. And quite honestly, I think if it wasn't for Sean, we may be talking about Jared Goff in a totally different light as far as how his career is viewed especially where it was headed before Sean got there. But I will say this, too, about Matthew Stafford. I think that offense in particular fits Matthew's skill set perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. I know there's people who are gonna, who bash on Stafford and say, hey, look, you know, and this, they have this whole quarterback wins nonsense debate about how he didn't win in Detroit, which we know is just ridiculous, considering – really the natural talent level that that Stafford has. But in that offense, with the offense running through the running game and the passing game built off of the running game, he should have the best season of his career. All things being equal, he should have the best season that he has had since he got drafted out of Georgia. If he doesn't, that's on Matthew Stafford. And it ain't on anybody else. So I think he's going to have a career year this year.
1: Lou, let's uh, talk about the Dak Prescott story that people have been talking about all over the country today. What do you think of, of Dak Prescott? Coming off of an injury, we're talking about Mahomes-esque kind of money. LZ and I have a little bit of mm-hmm. a disagreement about this. Where do you come down on Dak Prescott's value to the Cowboys?
4: Well, look, I, I think when, when you start talking about player value, when you're talking about money, it's a slippery slope, okay? Because although we don't, a lot of people don't like hearing this, the fact of the matter remains this. You know, your value is what the market says it is. And it's not necessarily, you know, I, I don't I don't believe in the whole the next quarterback up is the guy who needs to be the highest paid. I don't believe in that. I don't believe you just blindly do that. But I do believe relative to what Dallas wasn't or what Dallas was when Dak wasn't there. He is worthy of being slotted in somewhere in the 38 to 40 million dollar a year range relative to, you know, given what he is. His, value, his importance is to that football team because the team just cratered offensively without him. And I, now, when you just look at his his individual performances while he was there through the first month of the season, and I'm talking about decision-making, accuracy, mobility, effectiveness um, on third down, two-minute situations, fourth-quarter situations when they were behind, which we were, they were behind all the damn time, it seemed like having to pull out of deficits over and over again. This guy was rolling. Dak was rolling, and he is one of those guys who look. It's it's hard for people to kind of wrap their minds around anyone being in the realm of of Patrick Mahomes right now, or Deshaun Watson, or Aaron Rodgers. So people want to you know draw a definitive line between those guys and then everyone else. Well, look, Dak Dak deserves again because of his importance to that football team to be paid commensurate with what he has been asking for, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 38 to $40 million a year, and with the structure being really where the sticking point is, if you believe all the reports, meaning the number of years that he wanted on his contract. He wanted four, Dallas wanted five. Either way, Dak's winning this year anyway, and I'll tell you why. Because he's going to make $70 million if he gets tagged over the past two years. If he doesn't get tagged, he's going to hit the market, and if he hits the market, it's going to be around that much anyway.
0: Lewis Riddick, Monday Night Football, one of the voices on Monday Night Football, I believe the preeminent voice when it comes to NFL coverage, joining us here on Sedano, LZ, and Cap. Let's switch gears and talk about another quarterback. Russell Wilson's been in the news a ton uh, over the last week or so about some comments he made on Dan Patrick's show about wanting more input. Uh, there's a lot of talk about trades. There's been some denials. What do you make of that saga? I
4: think, look, Russ feels as though he was disrespected. He's taken a beating over the past couple of years. The offensive line has not played up to uh, an acceptable standard. I think anyone who watches football can see that. And I think he wanted some input as to where what the direction of the offense was going because of his importance and his value to it and what he felt he could bring as far as suggestions. That's not anything new as far as the history of quarterbacks in this league. And once quarterbacks get disenchanted with where they are and with the direction of the franchise is going, sometimes they want to move. Sometimes they want to execute a power play and say, look, I want out of here then if you're not going to, you know, at least take into consider- consideration how I feel about this. Quarterbacks been doing that for a while too. There's been quarterbacks who have tried to who've refused to play for certain places. There have been quarterbacks who have tried to, tried to force their way out of certain situations. So, I'm not surprised by what he's trying to do right now, or rather, what he may try to do eventually, or what Deshaun is trying to do. I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at Deshaun. I think teams need to understand that it's probably best to keep all lines of communication open, especially when you're talking about quarterbacks, because they really, I mean, they are the conductors even more so than coaches are or general managers, and really rank right up underneath ownership in today's game and really they always have because of the nature of their importance to the game that doesn't mean that you can't that you can't that you don't have to take care of the rest of the football team but you better pay attention to what they're feeling and how they're feeling because Lou, I think you, this, if it wasn't for russell wilson seattle would be in trouble over the past five years yeah they no, wouldn't have gone anywhere
1: no no doubt no doubt lewis let me ask you this though. So you mentioned to sean watson true or false you interviewed for the houston gm job true okay when you were there, did you have a sense back then of how dysfunctional we all are finding out the Houston organization is? No. And you
4: know what? I, let, let's just put it this way. I mean, we I knew and had heard about certain things that are reported in the media, about what people say about certain individuals down there and, and, the, and the construct of that front office and the name Jackie used to be. I was very familiar with all that going in. But look, I, I wanted to take a very you know, clean slate type of approach to the interview process. And honestly, I enjoyed the interview process. I did coming out of it, hearing some of the things that you hear that, you know, Adam Schefter reports that Omar Khan and myself were finalists for the job. And the two people who Corn Ferry, the search firm had recommended as finalists and that they should consider one of us to hear that. And then hear that we were just totally ignored and they had gone in a different direction, you know, with Nick Casario, look, I'm not mad at Nick, but when that kind of thing happens, and you hear that that's what happened, yeah, I mean obviously your your opinion about the whole interview process starts to become a little bit, you know, less than what you thought it was while it was happening, and that's for damn sure. Yeah. And that that's that doesn't make that's not gonna make anyone happy. And then when you see how things have kind of been falling apart for them as far as their inability to really communicate with Deshaun and address some of his issues, then all of a sudden you kinda of go, Man, I mean, did I did I dodge something there? Did I dodge did I dodge a bullet there? Even though, even though, look, Nick Cassero is not responsible for anything that's happening down there. David Culley, the head coach, the new coach isn't responsible for anything that's happening down there. And that's a shame. Because there you have two first-time individuals, two, a first-time GM and a first-time head coach, who are now thrown into an absolute mess. A mess. And the quarterback has still told the head coach, I'm not playing for you. I don't want to play here. What a, What a horrible, horrible way to start your... Your main voyage is, you know, into being a head coach and being a GM. And that's something, I'll tell you what, although I was very, very disappointed to hear about how things had happened as far as how they arrived at their decision, as anyone would be. That's not something I'd wish on anyone to wind up having your franchise quarterback and something, someone who you probably look forward to coaching and working with tell you, I don't want to be a part of this. That's not good.
0: Lewis Riddick, voice of Monday Night Football, one of the premier voices covering the National Football League and somehow survived being a teammate of Scott Kaplan in college. <laughs> Lewis, thank you for the time, man.
4: Always appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, thanks Lou. Thanks, thanks, brother. Anytime. Thanks, guys. All right. All
0: right. Take care. All right. Uh, coming up next, we'll kind of get some thoughts on that. I thought that was interesting, particularly the Deshaun Watson Houston stuff. Um, plus... Lakers-Suns tonight, and we got an update
2: for Clipper fans, and it's not good. So we'll get to that in a second. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. So
0: LZ, Cap with you here. Thanks to Lewis Riddick for joining us there. I know we were getting on the Clippers, and a couple Clipper fans were in my mentions, not happy with what we were talking about. Well, it got worse today. Kawhi Leonard uh, out of today's game against the Celtics due to back spasms. And just to keep note of what Kawhi has missed games for this year, he has missed uh, games due to a facial, facial laceration, not his fault, clearly, uh, health and safety protocols, uh, a pair of games each for both, a leg contusion for three games, and Ooh. now back spasms. He tried to give it a go, according to our own, own Yom Masuk, who covers the Clippers for ESPN, and uh, he said he couldn't go. So he went back to the locker room, and that was it. So, Man. Laura has a question. Laura, what, 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 what is your
3: question? Does he ever play? Oh. I mean, no. seriously. Mm. It's really hard mm. to win two finals MVP trophies and I mean, not play. I'm just saying.
4: But, look, I'm not a huge LeBron fan.
3: But Shock. He,
4: but he, I mean, he plays all the time. But it's like, dude, get up and play. Every time I see something, you're out. Baby's got
2: back. Him. I mean, he puts oh – never God. mind, my Speaking mind.
0: of not playing, Vogel just told the media, the Lakers media, he doesn't know if Damian Jones is going to be able to play tonight. So now they have no center.
3: Well, that means you're going to get a whole lot of Morris? Yeah,
0: well, no, but Mike Trudell just reported. Montrez Harrell will start at center tonight.
3: There you go. Yeah. That's what
1: you got. That's what you got on this roster, you know? I mean, LZ, I, I, I got to say, you, you had been saying this for a long time. And, um, you know – Many of us were going, okay, all right, all right. But you you were right, which is you got you, you need more size, you know? I mean, we, we kind of all battled last week, and it's ancient history about Dwight Howard, and then George told me that Dwight stinks, and I understand all that, but it's just a body thing.
3: Like, there's just no big bodies. Plus, Dwight doesn't stink.
0: <laughs> I mean, he is stinky
3: this year. I don't know what's going on this year, but when we had him, he didn't stink. Right. But listen, there's no need for me to continuing to flog a horse that is expired.
0: <laughs> what a great line. I don't think a line <laughs> like that has
3: ever been uttered in sports radio history. Yeah. I, I, a sharp I, line. I, I, I will not claim that for myself. Uh, that actually came from a Coen brothers movie. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. But I, I'm glad you liked the line. Cause I did too, when they heard it, when they said it. Um, but I, I will say that I think a great deal was made of the acquisition of Montrez Harold without, fully recognizing that he wasn't a center.
0: And that he, that he, has he, was, a, that he could be a defensive liability again, And that he could
3: be – exactly. So, yeah. like, he's miscast as a center. We talk about miscasting Kawhi. Trez is miscast as a center. He's really somewhere between a small forward and a power forward who likes to mix it up in the paint. But his height and really his vertical his verticality – doesn't help him make up for the lack of height when it comes to defending bodies that big. You know, this isn't like, you know, like P.J. Tucker who was able to overcome being so short because of how physical he was and so right. strong he was. It was hard to move him down there. Draymond yeah. Green is a lot that way, too. That's Correct. not Trez's game. Uh, no, Not his body type at all. And it's not he's his a body type. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. And so I, I think he's he was put in that tough situation with the Clippers, particularly against Jokic. And the way that we've been utilizing him because of our lack of size really does a disservice for what he is and what he can be if we only got a proper body in there to help, you know, cushion that size differential for him. All right. Let me ask you guys, make a prediction. okay? Mm -hmm. so now there's no AD. Mm -hmm. There's no
1: Gasol. okay? there's there's uh, you're taking on a team, a guy like Devin Booker, who who he could shoot the lights out tonight. Um, They've got a big man, a young up and coming big man. Lakers don't have any big bodies. What's your expectation tonight then?
0: Well, I will tell you that the line has dropped. Uh, The initial line was Lakers minus three. It is down to Lakers minus one. Um, And that's a pretty significant line drop considering that, you know, the the players that aren't available are not star-level players. Usually star-level players move the meter. Obviously, like in football, right? A quarterback is out. You can lose anywhere between like four to seven points. You know, if LeBron wasn't playing, then, it, you know, it would swing at five or six points probably as well. Um, so, two is significant. Oof. Um, I don't know. I still feel like the Lakers pull this out somehow. I feel like this is just one of those LeBron, Dennis Schroeder, they've been playing well. Vogel staggers them minutes like he, we talked about with him yesterday, and the Lakers still find a way to pull it out.
3: Um. Hmm. You know, having Dennis Domenez back helps tremendously for a lot of different reasons. And I don't believe, despite all this conversation we just had about, you know, DeAndre and our lack of size, I still believe that this game is actually going to be decided on the perimeter at the end of it all. If the Lakers are shooting the three-ball well, um, some of that negates the damage that DeAndre can do with the two-ball game inside the paint. Right. Um, If we're not shooting the ball well, then we're just screwed. (laughs) Okay. So, hey Bergman,
1: let me get your. i well, before I give my prediction, I want to hear what you think because you told us last week that Utah was going to pound the Lakers. When I definitely thought the Lakers were going to show up big time, what what do you predict tonight? Uh, I think it'll be close. Actually, the way that LeBron's playing defense, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win tonight. I got I got the Lakers. Wow! How about yeah. Look that? at that. Not that interesting. Despite despite DeAndre. See, I was thinking that what you were going to say was that the Lakers are going to lose tonight because Phoenix is going to shoot the ball better and because they've got the big body. And then I was going to just jump all over the Laker bandwagon tonight, but then you just jumped on the Laker bandwagon. I'm surprised.
0: Right, right. You expected a negative Gregory Bergman there, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you were going to capitalize that by pandering to the audience.
1: Pretty oh. much, yeah. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, pretty much.
0: That's I mean, that's fair. That. I, you know, as long as you're honest, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Like, Mason has been pandering to the audience for 25 years, so, I mean, you, you know, it, it is works. what it is. It's a good formula. Loud out, who wins tonight?
1: We lose tonight.
3: Sorry, Whoa. Whoa. Whoa! She says that so she can say, see, I told you, I'm not a big LeBron fan. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't know all why she puts the word big go. in front of we fan. go. <laughs>
0: yeah, all right, we're done here. We're done here. We'll see who's right tomorrow. Uh, thank LZ. Excellent work is always. Great to have you back. It's great to be back, gentlemen. Thank you. Scott, excellent
1: work. So much love to our entire squad and all the 710 listeners. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Yep. Greg and Laura, great job. Sliwa and Michael are up next with the pregame Lakers. Suns 7 o'clock. Uh, tip with John and Michael on the call. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 355. See ya.